It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, what is old is new again. We're going to talk to our friend Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com. Her thoughts about the roster and where we head as we got down to 53 cuts yesterday. And I feel bad for Calvin Ridley, and I had a lot of stuff confirmed yesterday. It's all next, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked On Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Welcome into this Wednesday edition of Hitting Hard with John Chuck right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Head to YouTube.com, put Locked On Sports Atlanta into your search browser, hit that subscribe button, leave us a comment. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including Spy in Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review there. And of course, give me a follow on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Well, last night was not a good night at the ballpark. That was a bad loss by the Atlanta Braves, 3-2. to two. Did Ronnie play last night? Oh, well, he did? Oh, okay. So that's four days now that he hasn't um, had to play. Okay, anyway. Um, so bad loss last night to a team that came in 19-42 and 42 on the road. Let me repeat that. They came into last night 19-42 and 42 on the road. To give you some perspective, Kyle Wright himself has 16 wins on the season. He's been himself credited with 16 wins. Their entire ball club going on the road only has 19 wins. That was not a good lo- uh, loss last night. And you double it up with the fact that the Mets lost last night. And we talked about, look, Mets start a three-game set with the Dodgers, you know, Here's a chance to pick up an extra game or two over this next few nights and close this thing down even more to where you know that worst case scenario, that series in October is the difference between the division and not winning the division, right? But it's the same old problem. We can talk about all the things that didn't happen last night, but you know what it was? As the Braves are on a three-game losing streak, it's right back to where we were in the first part of the season. The Braves last night were two for 13 with runners in scoring position. And how much have I talked about this over the course of the season? So this 11-game stretch leading into this three-game losing streak where they had four games with the Mets, three games with the Astros, three games with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and then the first game of the Cardinals series where they beat them up 11-4. to Okay, so in that 11-game stretch, Mets, Astros, Pirates, and then the first game of the Cardinals, that 11-game stretch, the Braves went 9-2 and during that stretch. You know what else they did? Ask me what their runners in scoring position batting average was in that 11 games, 9-2 and stretch. You know what it was? 4-10. Let me repeat that. In that 11-game stretch where they went 9-2 and against two of the best teams in all of Major League Baseball, and the first game against a division leader, and then mix in the dirtbag organization of all dirtbag organizations, the Pirates, they hit 410 with runners in scoring position. 
What have they hit in this three-game losing streak? Very simple. Six for 30. Not hard to divide that out. Six for 30, batting 200 with runners in scoring position during this three-game losing stretch. Now, look, I'm not panicked about the long term, okay? You get blips on the radar and stuff like that. But we're getting to the point where we're just about at our last 30 games of the season. And you start to run out of, well, it's a bad loss, but we got a long way to go. Because that's all I hear is, well, we got a long way to go. Okay, I guess 30 games is a long way to go. That'll go by in the blink of an eye. Guess what tomorrow is? September. And your rosters will expand, okay? And Ronnie probably won't play again tonight. You guys will tell me everything's perfect and fine and everything like that. But that's all right. Um, We won't get into that discussion again or whatever like that. It's only been a week now that he hasn't played. But okay, anyway. So, Again, it's the same old problem. And and it's that simple for the Braves. Like, we can fuss about the bullpen and this and that. Whatever. Max Fried was fine last night. Pitched five innings, gave up two earned runs. Probably too many hits, seven hits. But again, he was fine. It's not like Max Fried got rocked last night. But when you're two for 13 and you leave the bases loaded in the first inning, guess what? That's how you make the dirtbag low-life Rockies look good. Now, we'll talk more about this in just a second, but first, let me talk about my friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your sports wagering information. Look, neck deep in playoff baseball, right? We're setting on divisions and everything going on right now. Oh, yeah. Tomorrow, the college slate ramps up. From Thursday until Monday, we're loaded with college football. Oh, yeah. We got the NFL regular season hitting next weekend. So we are neck deep in everything sports. You want to make some money this fall. You want to put a few ducats down. BetOnline.net is your number one source. You want your esports. You want your betting information, wagering, lines, odds, all of the information that you need, podcast information, score stats. Everything is available to you at BetOnline.net. Everything available to you in one easy So take that mobile device, head to BetOnline.net, check out their easy-to-navigate website, betonline.net is where the game starts. So it's a, it's the same reoccurring theme. We, you can get frustrated at this and that, whatever like that, but when they have that clutch gene, they win and they beat up on teams, right? It's not coincidence that in 11-game stretch where they went 9-2 and two, that they hit 410 with runners in scoring position, and it's not coincidence that when they have lost three games in a row, that's down to 200. It's been like that all year. I've given you, I've literally given you every time during these different runs throughout the season about here's what you can look at. So everybody I know wants to break down all the, you know, analytics and the and the um, saber metrics, you know, and all the metrosexual stats that you can come up with, bips and bops and boops and balls in play and what's your hit hard and your fly out exchange ratio and your cryptocurrency, you know, off the bat and all this kind of other stuff. Baseball's not that complicated, folks. It's not. Take it from a guy who's at 50 years old, watched as much baseball as anybody you're going to talk to, right? Spent all my life watching baseball. It's always been my favorite sport growing up. Never missed a Saturday of the NBC game of the week. I remember baseball when it was on ABC with Don Drysdale and Howard Cosell. I remember baseball on Saturday. I've watched it all. It ain't hard. It's not bips and boops and baps and crypto and sabermetrics and metrosexual and all that kind of stuff. 
You can point to some very easy things and say, hmm, that's where they didn't get it done. And that's been the story of the Braves at times this year is just when they get in some of these funks, they can't find that clutch gene. It's not that they pitch awful all the time. It's not that their bullpen, bullpen was fantastic last night. Bullpen did everything you asked. It's just they get in these little funks and stretches. And that's what's frustrating is because their lineup is so deep. It's so deep. They have so many guys. They don't need three guys to stay hot for a long stretch. One night you can have Olsen. One night you can have Riley. One night you can have Dansby. One night you can have Contreras. One night you can have Darno. Even without Ronnie or your buddy Ozuna and all that, even without some of those guys, they have the ability that they have so many guys in their lineup that can deliver a clutch hit that it's frustrating when you lose a game last night like that. So I expect the Braves will get right back on track and they'll win tonight. Kyle Wright going tonight, guess what? He's going to pick up his 17th win. I'm going to go ahead and say it right here. And it won't be because of bips and bops and boops and crypto and, and you know, hard hit and light hit and, you know, light beer and whatever else is going on out there. They'll beat up on the Rockies because they're a better team and they just got to get their bats going. All right, when we come back, our friend of the show, Tori McElhaney, is going to join us. We're going to talk about the Falcons, where we're at, the 53-man roster, all that good stuff up next. Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. This segment brought to you by our friends over at Coffee AM. CoffeeAM.com, the best small batch coffee roaster in America, right here in Georgia, up in Canton. Listen, go online, CoffeeAM.com, put backslash Locked on into that search browser as well. And listen, when you get to your checkout, 15% off if you use the coupon code Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. Use that coupon code at checkout to get 15% off your first order. Coffees, teas, gift sets, whatever you need, everything is available to you at coffeeam.com, the best small batch coffee roaster in America. We welcome into the show our friend, Tori McElhaney. She, of course, one of the digital reporters for AtlantaFalcons.com. Tori, as always, good to see you. Good to talk to you. As Are you exhaling yet? Preseason camp, everything done. We can at least kind of take a couple of days here because it is a little bit weird, this break in between the regular season getting started, that you know we can at least kind of evaluate where we are and what we've got going on. I actually feel like I haven't had a chance to breathe at all because we've had 53 man cut down. We, you know, there, there's a very, very good chance that there's going to be a lot of transactions in the next day, the next 48 hours. So for me, it's kind of been nonstop. It, it's funny because everybody's like, oh, we have this break like built in and it, it doesn't feel like that at all. If anything, it feels kind of more. It feels like more is happening. What was your biggest takeaway or two from the preseason, from training camp, just 35,000 foot thoughts, if you will? Yeah, I think for, for me, it's I'm still very much learning about this team and this roster. You know, there were so many new, there's so much new that we were having to kind of, it almost felt like drinking water out of a fire hydrant throughout the course of training camp in the preseason, because I had so many questions that I felt like I needed to get answers to. And it wasn't like I was sitting there being like, oh, I have to get every single answer. Um, but I wanted to be able to go into the regular season and feel good about what I thought this team was. And I feel like I'm still searching for its identity. I know that a, a big theme for this team has been like, oh, like the outside 
per perception of who we are, like that kind of gives us a chip on our shoulder. And I love that mentality. And I think that's almost something that you can kind of build an identity on. But what does that mean for when you get into the regular season? I think that's kind of the question that I still have. How can you show me that you are playing football with a chip on your shoulder, not just having this mentality, but actually going out and doing something on the field that backs it up? I think that's kind of where my head's at as, as we've kind of gone through the preseason now kind of gearing up for the regular season. So let's talk about the 53 man roster. Um, I, I don't know any real surprises. I mean, there are good stories. Bernhardt is obviously a really good story, but any real surprises that stuck out to you, it feels like, you know, you and I've talked before about things were kind of falling into place, you know, those last couple of weeks, but anything really catch you off guard or anything? There wasn't really anything that caught me off guard because I could understand a lot of like why they did certain things that they did. And again, like there's going to be more movement coming in the coming days. I know Arthur Smith said when we talked to him on Monday, he was like, you know, the 53 man roster that we announce on Tuesday is not going to be the one we go in, we end Wednesday with. It's not going to be the one we go into Thursday with and so on and so forth. And so there's still so many things and so many wheels and cogs that are I think just moving right now. And, but I did think one of the biggest surprises that I had was seeing that Anthony Ferkser did not make the three man roster. That was, mm -hmm. I think where that was the one name that I never really thought would not make the 53 man. Or if he didn't make the 53 man, that he would be a candidate to like return to the 53 man. And I'm not saying that that's like out of the question that could definitely happen sometime in the next like 24, 48 hours. But it was something that very much surprised me because we've seen Anthony Ferkser a lot. He's a guy that had a lot of history with Arthur Smith coming from Tennessee, coming from that organization where Arthur Smith got, I mean, spent majority of his coaching years. So to not see him on the 53 man, that was probably the biggest surprise for me because I could almost like justify him ahead every other move, like not putting Frank Darby on the 53 man, but putting Jared right. Bernhardt and Demir Bird, like I could understand that. Um, but yeah, Anthony Ferkser was one of the ones that I kind of had the biggest question mark about. So let's talk a minute about the tight end room because uh, I, to me, that room in general, I think had some of the bigger surprises because I didn't think I'll be honest. I didn't think Franks was going to make the 53 man. I thought he'd be a practice squad guy, but uh, you know, I wasn't sure about Fitzpatrick either about whether or not he was yeah. going to make the 53 man. So that room threw me for a little bit of a loop. What it also to me means is that if Frank's on the 53, don't they have to go find a quarterback now for their practice squad? Don't they have to go find a guy that they can designate as a quarterback on the practice squad? Probably. Um, I, that's the thing is like, again, like this thing is going to be moving over the course of the next like week. Like we're going to get to week one and this 53 man roster is going to look exceptionally different. And I also think like that everything is kind of on the table to go out and find players that, you know, can kind of help you, whether it be via depth or via the practice squad. And I think that's a position group that you maybe could think about that. Like you almost, almost like have to, especially if, Felipe is kind of going to be taking 100% of his reps at tight right. end. That's, I mean, I know like we talked about this all the time and I know we were out at practice 
uh, or the first couple of weeks of training camp talking about like Felipe was taking at the time, hundred percent of the tight end snaps. Yeah. And I think people think I said this the other day, but I was like, I think people think that I'm crazy talking about Felipe as a tight end, because if you're just watching the preseason games, you don't see Felipe as a tight end. You see him as a quarterback. That's all they ran him as. So it's like, this wasn't just a mirage. This wasn't something that we all were just standing there <laughs> making up that we saw this. I was standing um, beside you, Tori. I know. We, I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But we actually have seen him be a tight end and, and honestly play fairly well for somebody who just picked it up within yeah. the last year. Um, so for Felipe, it's like, how much do you let him go in one way or the other like are you still going to continue to have him when Desmond and Marcus like need a break like are you still going to have Felipe go in there and throw some passes I mean you just don't you don't know that we don't know that yet we don't know how this like whole roster is even going to be constructed because again there's so many moving parts right now the running back position um I expect Huntley Caleb Huntley is going to be a practice squad guy but I wonder about Kadri Allison. I wonder if the time hasn't come to just part ways. I know they cut him, but, you know, obviously he was up and down on the practice squad and active roster last year. I, I just, Tori, I get the personal sense that they just move on from Allison and he just tries to find another team and goes and latches on with somebody else. Yeah, I kind of agree with that simply because I think that, he could have more opportunities somewhere else. I think right. that he's shown enough over the course of the last two years, especially that he is an NFL running back and that he can go and provide good depth for another running back room that needs it. And right now Atlanta doesn't need it. And so I, I, I really do for, for a guy like Quadri Allison, like I really do kind of want him to, get an opportunity because I think that he deserves an opportunity to, to not just be a practice squad guy. Um, and I, I said this too, you know, over the course of the last two years, Quadra has been somebody who we have seen in every way possible, like return to the 53 man in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I do kind of agree with you that maybe it's time to like, let him go see if he can make it some somewhere else. And because I, I do think he would be able to. So Marlon Davidson still hurt. Jalen Mayfield still dealing with injuries. Drake London still not practicing. It's been 19 days now since Drake London has actually taken any snaps. Probably a good thing that they don't have a game this week, right? Because I I, I doubt very seriously any of those three guys could suit up and play a game on Sunday right now, right? Yeah, I think Drake London's a little bit more of a different situation than Jalen and Marlon. I think Drake, they're kind of just trying to be cautious with him. I don't think that it's some Arthur Smith has said over and over again, like that this is not serious. This is not serious. Like we're this isn't something we're gonna worry about long term. So I do think that his like the reason why we haven't seen him is more just like they're just being overly cautious. I do think mm -hmm. it's different though for Jalen Mayfield and Marlon Davidson because Arthur Smith has never really said that caveat of this is not serious. This is not something that we're worried about long term. With Jalen Mayfield, like this lower back issue has been lingering for a while now and he's missed some practice days. Granted, I know last week he was sick, but Arthur Smith said when he wasn't out at practice on Monday, Arthur Smith said again, like, He's still dealing with that lower back issue. Marlon Davidson, we know, had his knee scoped before 
um, going to New York. And, and so that's an injury that we have not seen him at all. There's been no word about the extent of that injury. That gives me pause too. So are we looking at a situation where in the next 24, 48 hours, either of those guys go on IR? It wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case. Then you have to look at, okay, that opens up two spots on your 53-man. Who do you bring back or who do you go out and get? I think that's conversations that are happening kind of like as we speak. So I am a little bit surprised that both of those guys made it. I would have thought, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I thought one or both could be IR settlements and and they would be cut and released. Were you surprised at all that both guys made the 53-man? No, I wasn't because for IR rules, I think it made sense that Arthur Smith kept them on the 53-man and then potentially would move them to IR because if you put somebody on IR before the 53-man is set, like they're on IR for the entire year. So by by waiting and putting them on the 53-man and then then putting them on IR, you that just means that at minimum four games that they have to miss. Um, So I think it just gives... Arthur Smith and his coaching staff, the option to bring them back. Cause I don't think they're ready to give up on those guys just yet. I think they want them healthy so they can see what they can do. Jalen Mayfield in his second year after having a whole year of experience under his belt. And then Marlon Davidson, who we know has not been a hundred percent at all since he got into the league. Can he get to a hundred percent? And if he does, what does that look like? So for those two guys specifically, I think it was, it was okay. It didn't surprise me that they got put on the 53 man because I do think because of the IR rules, like you want to keep the, at least keep them around to see what they can do when they are healthy again. So last question for you, obviously now we get into the, let's see what's going to happen with Deion Jones uh, played a lot. Um, I was a little bit surprised by even how much he played against <laughs> Jacksonville. Too. And, you know, we saw some trades yesterday in the NFL, and I I guess it's just kind of wait and see. I mean, obviously, I've said, and I think you and I have talked about this, I I don't think they have any intention of cutting him and just just dropping him and moving on from him, almost like what you saw with San Francisco. They didn't want to cut Garoppolo. You know, you don't want to just give up an asset and just dump him off the team. But is that kind of one of the big moves that we just kind of wait and see that when we get to game week next week about – whether or not he's still here or I don't know. It just seems very in flux right now about Deion Jones and where we're at. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It is. And there are going to be question marks, I think, all the way through the first week because here's the thing is if you're looking at just the money of it, you cannot cut Deion Jones. It does not make sense financially towards the salary right. cap to do that. The only way that you can part ways with Deion Jones that makes sense is if you trade him. And you have to have a trade offer on the table in order to do that. And so I I do wonder about like what Deion Jones's market is. I think it was a smart move by the Falcons and Deion to send him out there against the Jaguars as much as they did so that there is tape out there so that other teams can see that, yes, he's rehabbed the shoulder, he's healthy. So could we see something be put together over the course of the next few days, the next week? Absolutely. I'm not putting that off the table or anything what's going to be more surprising to me is if the market isn't there and there isn't a trade offer on the table and you do get to week one with Deion Jones on the 53 man what do you do then because Arthur Smith has said that 
he's not taking away a starting spot from Rashawn Evans or Michael Walker simply because Dion is back on the field. Right. That to me is is very indicative of them being like, we want to see Dion work back to a starting caliber spot. And and he's he was like, I, I think Arthur even said like this, it's gonna be hard to see the field with that room yeah, that they currently his, have. Exa- his exact quote, Tori, was it's gonna be hard for him to get on the field with the depth we have at linebacker right now. Yes, exactly. And so that to me is also very telling about mm-hmm. what this coaching staff feels like they have in Dion, where Dion currently is in his rehab and development, et cetera, et cetera. And what's crazy is we are talking about a former pro bowler. You know, this is, it's great. That's the crazy part in all of this is that even if the Falcons are shopping him, how like there's not a market right now. And right. again, Who's to say that in the next week, in the next few days, that there isn't an offer on the table and the Falcons don't jump at that opportunity or Dion jumps at that opportunity. But as of right now, it's you're exactly right when you say it's still all up in the air. I feel like it's an it's one of those things. And this is probably a cop out me saying this, but like it's one of those situations that we're not going to know until we know. And, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Yeah, it's very fluid. So you can check out all of her work at AtlantaFalcons.com. She covers the team there. And, of course, follow her on her Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, we thank you so much for getting up with us and hanging out with us for a few minutes. So we'll be chatting all through the season. So thanks for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You got it. John Chuckery, we'll be back. We're going to talk about the Calvin Ridley situation up next. Hitting hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Back with you on Hitting Hard with John Chuck. We're here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Head to YouTube.com, put Locked on Sports Atlanta in your search browser. Hit that subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Free and available all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Download us for free today. Leave us a five-star review, then follow me at JMCH316 on my Twitter page. So a story that came out yesterday, and it confirmed everything that, that I had been told. So you may have seen this story about on Monday, there was an announcement and by the Fulton County District Attorney, Fannie Willis, talking about how they they had put a stop to a series of, it was a 220-count indictment filed August 22nd that charges 26 people, most of them um, part of gangs and things like that, for a gang and a group that is called the Drug Rich Gang that was targeting celebrities, social media influencers, different things like that. And it included home invasions, burglaries, carjacking, all sorts of different things, bad stuff. You can read the whole story and all the different charges and things like that. So I, so point of insight, I was told last fall that because one of the people that was named in all of this, as far as being a victim, Mariah Carey was mentioned this and any other was Calvin Ridley. And I was told last fall by some people that Calvin Ridley was in a situation where when he was on the road, that his home was broken into and it freaked him out. And that a a big reason why that he struggled to come back was the fact that this, that, that this stuff going on completely freaked him out. And he's got a young child at home and the idea of going on the road and going to games and traveling, and this happened early in the season, just freaked him out. He did not want to leave his home or family or anything like that. Now, here's the thing. I know people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear that athletes are humans. 
and things like that, right? We don't want to hear that you're supposed to just suck it up and play the game. I, I feel for Calvin Ridley because I can understand. He's got a young daughter at home, and you're you're hearing about these kinds of things. You're seeing these kinds of things going on, and, and I'm sure he's getting inside information as well. And it just it confirmed everything. That story that I read confirmed everything that had been told to me about what was going on with Calvin Ridley. So here's what I'm going to say to you. I, I completely excuse and understand the mental health aspect of what Calvin Ridley went through. It probably would have freaked me out. And he has a lot to lose, not just his money or possessions, but he's got a young daughter. I think when she was born in 2020, he's got a young daughter. That would freak me out as a dad, as, as I'm a dad myself of a daughter. That would freak me out. Now, what it doesn't excuse, though, is the gambling aspect of it, okay? And this is where you have to be able to rationalize and sort the two different things out, right? Okay? I can feel bad and have empathy for what Ridley was going through and the situation that he and his family were put in on one hand, right? That I can handle. But I can't dis, you know, dismiss the gambling aspect of it. Now, I don't want to get into a discussion about the suspension, all that stuff, because it's dumb. I'm I'm here to tell you it's dumb. If you think that the Deshaun Watson and Calvin Ridley should all be lumped in in the same type of, you know, pot, and well, why did Watson get this? And really, because they're two different things. Personal conduct policy and violating league rules are not looked at as the same thing. It's not hard to understand why Ridley got a year for gambling. It doesn't matter if you gamble on your team, against your team, with your team, win or tie. Doesn't matter. That all goes to the integrity of the game, and people that have inside information can pass that on to other nefarious people or be influenced by nefarious people. Never heard of the Boston College point-shaving scandal? You can start out good, and then it can turn around in a different direction. So it's not they're not comparable. So I can't forgive Ridley for that aspect of it. But after reading the story, I do completely understand and forgive him on the mental health aspect of it. I, I know a lot of people want to make fun of, why isn't he tougher? He should just be out there on the field and this, that, and the other. Look, there's all kinds of things that we go through emotionally that you get in a situation where, and again, when you read, this wasn't a simple just, you know, hey, they, they knocked the guy over on the street and took the guy's wallet or whatever like that. We're talking carjackings. We're talking home invasions, break-in, armed robbery. We're talking some serious stuff that goes on here. And, and who knows? I mean, look, if you have a bunch of dirtbag lowlifes that are willing to do all of that, then who knows? I mean, you know, again, who says that they can't take it up to the next level? Hell, if I'm already carjacking and home invading and all this kind of stuff and all this, who's to say that if somebody doesn't do the wrong thing, that somebody doesn't get shot or whatever? So I completely understand the mental health aspect that Ridley went through. And I am fine and willing to forgive him for all of that. The gambling thing, I'm not. That's just stupid. That's irresponsible. And he knows better than all of that. Now, what does it all mean? I think it means that Calvin Ridley has still played his last game for the Atlanta Falcons. Yes, they have a final year, his fifth-year rookie um, option, right? Whatever it is, 11, 10, 11, 12 million dollars, whatever that that number is, they have the available to him. But much like they were basically saying that they were going to look, you know, they were looking at trading him 
at you know when we got into the offseason this past season, he'll go through his reinstatement, he'll get reinstated, and the Falcons will move on. And they'll and and they'll be they'll be life post Calvin Ridley. It'll be the Drake Londons and the Kadero Hodges and the Brian Edwards and all these vagabonds that that we have at the wide receiver position. So I am willing to give Ridley a pass for all the mental health aspect and all those things. And I know that that's not popular to, you know, look at these guys as humans and say, hey, they go through real issues. They have real things that happen to them. Okay. And I'm not going to say, you know, look, that, again, we all react differently in those scenarios. But the idea that, because look, Ridley was the absolute piñata, right? He was an absolute piñata for, you know, people to take that free swing with the stick on him. Oh, why isn't he back? Mental health. What is it? Are we sure he's not game in the system? All, I mean, so many things that you hear about from people and stuff like that. And now reading this story and the facts are coming out, it just confirms everything that I had been told last fall about what was going on with Calvin Ridley. So again, I want you out there to understand and have a little bit of empathy that put the emotional aspect and the mental health aspect in one bucket, put the gambling stuff in another bucket and keep the two separate from one another. Don't lump it all in together. Keep the two separate. You can forgive him and understand what he went through with the gang related home invasion stuff, but also critique and criticize him for doing the stupid thing as far as gambling goes. All right, we thank you so much for making Hitting Hard with John Chuck for your first listen. Make my friends over at ATL Day Ones your second listen every day as my friends Jarvis Davis and Nitro Batiste talk about all things in the heart of the city of Atlanta. Free and available at youtube.com, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Put that in your search browser. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. We are free and available to download on all your favorite podcast platforms, including Spotify and Odyssey. Leave us a five-star review. And then follow me on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.